When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald Show right here on the Forever Dog Podcast Network. You can find Kevin's show, his entire incredible backlog, and many other terrific original comedy podcasts on our website at www.foreverdogpodcasts.com. And if you're a fan of Kevin's show, please why don't you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. Rate Kevin five stars and please write us a nice review. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And one more thing, an exciting update. Kevin will be back live with a brand new show with incredible guests. It will be announced shortly in New York City at the Bell House. That's where the Mike Myers show was. It was a blast. It'll be a blast again. The Bell House for the Brooklyn Podcast Festival on Wednesday, November 15th. You can find updates at Forever Dog Team on Twitter or Kevin's new aptly named uh, Twitter at Kevin's Podcast. You'll get the latest updates there. Or forget the updates. You know you want to go. Go right now online to bkpodfest.com or you can just go to Kevin's page on foreverdogpodcast.com. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the show. Hope we can see you live at the Bell House. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm and hearty welcome to Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald's Show! And now, I want everyone to give a big hand for tonight's announcer. Wait! Wait, wait. I just got word that that was the shortest introduction for the announcer in Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald Show history. Congratulations, everyone. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, apparently, I, uh, I ruined it by saying that last bit about it being the shortest introduction for the announcer in Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald Show's history, and thus I made the introduction longer. I, uh, uh, I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, this is, it's now just a, another normal, longer than necessary introduction to the opening of Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald's show. I'm very sorry. And now, your actual announcer. Hey, hello! I am your announcer for the evening, and welcome to the Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald show, famous for its long introductions, and for its cast frequently falling off the stage for some reason. I'm very happy to be here tonight. I'm happy to be anywhere. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the 53rd time I've said that delightful joke on stage or adjacent to it. Just 47 more times and I reach 100. But a little bit about myself. I'm an announcer for podcasts, for performers who are over 50 and had marginally successful TV shows in the early 90s. <laughs> Basically, anyone who partied with Cato Caitlin, I announce for. I'm also a volunteer fireman which is part of the reason I was hired for this job. Mr. McDonald's shows tend to catch on fire a lot, and we don't know why, we just accept it, but 
Don't worry, everyone. I am a volunteer firefighter, and you are all safe. Here are the important fire safety rules in case of an emergency. Myths of rules have sprung up over the years, but here are the real rules. In case a fire does break out in the theater, give in to blind panic and just start running and screaming anywhere you want to, knocking over anyone, adult or child who happens to be in your way. If it's to the nearest exit, fine. If it's a wall that you're about to be squashed against because of the 100 people behind you, also fine. Your odds of survival are low anyway. And actually, calmness and walking in an orderly fashion is the biggest killer we have in fires. Except for the actual fire. And the smoke from the fire that stops you from breathing. I personally guarantee you that this theater is an ineptly constructed fire trap, so please, blind panic, running and screaming is the only chance you have. And one housekeeping note, please turn your phones on high and accept any call or text you get during the show. I was at the rehearsal, and believe me, it's the only chance you have for an entertaining evening. Save a small fire that doesn't kill anyone. I assure you that Mr. McDonald himself will have his phone on in case his agent calls. And he'll probably call his wife after his third joke bombs to complain about the audience. Which, of course, is you. And now, to the show. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I don't know how to put this, ladies and gentlemen, but something has happened right before the show. Something that is impossible to explain, so I'll just come right out and say it. At 6.57 p.m. this evening, Kevin McDonald stopped being funny. He just stopped. He was shaving in the shower. He forces his cast to come into his dressing room and watch him shower before every show. And he was singing his funny parody version of Ricky Martin's Live in La Vida Loca, Eating El Pollo Loco, when suddenly he stopped, turned around, and stared at us with sad eyes, saying, I can't sing this song anymore. It's too funny. I'm not funny anymore. I have just stopped being funny. He just started crying. Now remember, he was naked. He tried being funny, but threw up during a knock-knock joke and almost choked on his own vomit. Kevin McDonald, though, is a brave and seasoned performing warrior, and he insists on doing the show anyway. So, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm round of applause for the no longer funny Kevin McDonald. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. Open with a joke. You always open with a joke. That's your motto. Always open with a joke. So just open with a joke. I am... I am... I am... I am not... I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I just say. I don't know what to say. Kevin, tell the audience one of your very funny drunk dad stories. You're famous for those. Yes, drunk dad story. Drunk dad story 14A. One night, my dad got so drunk, he took my head and smashed it through the door of my bedroom. 
causing me to bleed profusely and put a permanent dent in the door. <laughs> My mother drove me to emergency. It was the night of a, of a high school dance. I had finally, earlier in the week, gotten the nerve to ask Kathleen Davidson to go out with me. Uh, she waited and waited at her door as the doctors in emergency tried to stop the awful bleeding. Uh, from my head wound for hours and hours, I never talked to Kathleen again, and I still have the scar. <laughs> Thank you! No, Kevin. That was one of your sad drunk dad stories. We're all sad now. And this is a comedy show. I'm not funny anymore. I'm not uh, funny no, anymore. Now, now, calm down. What are we going to do? I'm not funny anymore. It's a comedy show. What are we going to do? Well, since you obviously still have the power to make people sad, why don't we do that, that sad rock opera that we rehearsed this afternoon? Huh? Okay, let's do that. Sadness can make a good show. All right, great. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now proud to present a mini rock opera written by Kevin McDonald, though he only knows three chords. Kevin wants you to know that this is actually a true story that happened to him in 1991 while he was working on the Kids in the Hall show. We now take you to Toronto in 1991. Here's the story of me and a girl I wouldn't leave her. She left me 47 times. My pet name for her was Cheater. We split up every seven months, and every eighth she told me that she met yet another guy who looked like Aladdin, Saint near a Bowie. And I was in love with a girl, with a girl named Cheater. My God, I should have known that she'd cheat on me. I mean, I called her Cheater. It only makes sense. After our ninth break, I was sure there wouldn't be ten. No double-digit cheating, there just weren't that many men. By the six-and-a-half month, I saw her getting bored, and Danny a Bowie look-alike came, and I prayed she would ignore that. Cause I was in love with a girl with a Bowie fetish. And I looked more like Flo, a Flo and Eddie, the lead singers from the Turtles, then later they worked with Frank Zappa. I know nobody remembers them, but something had to change. I had to split up with her. Instead of doing that, I went the other way. I made my big mistake, like that bicycle guy who lost a testicle and then took steroids. C. D. Meyer. C. And I had a revelation one night walking in the park. The town had lost its power. I was literally in the dark. I mistook it to be romantic Wish you had hit me with the rock And then I said We should get married And then you'll stop The cheating on me And then I said Hit me with a rock 
not lying about that but boy I wish I said it now for this was my revelation in the park my stupid revelation in the park life ruining revelation in the park cause you said yes yes I'll marry you though you're not Bowie yes I'll marry you though you're not Bowie why should I care that you'll make a mistake marrying me marrying me and I will say though it's a mistake but you're on TV you're on TV but I'm not a gold digger cause you're just on HBO before Sopranos it's more like rent money cause it's only HBO yes I'll marry Yes, I'll marry you. Made happy by his stupid mistake of asking his girlfriend, Cheater, to marry him, and her making things worse by saying yes, she would marry him, Kevin excitedly tells his friend. His friend, Dave. Dave Foley? Uh, news Radio? Bugs Life? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him once. Yeah. He lent me $300 in a video arcade. True story. And this is what Dave said when Kevin told him that he was marrying Cheater. That is very nice, you're getting married. I'm your best friend and want the best for you. So sit down, I'll give you an early bachelor party by giving you advice straight from my heart to you. And here's my advice. Don't marry cheater. Don't marry cheater. If you lost your fucking mind, remember the times she's cheated on you. And here's a reason not to marry cheater. Her name is Cheater. There's a reason why you call her that, and it's not because she cheats on exams, though she does. Don't marry Cheater. Don't marry Cheater. Don't marry Cheater. Don't marry Cheater. Don't. Kevin and Dave. Yes. And as the applause died down, Kevin and Dave were talking at their office, waiting for a kids in the hall meeting to start. A meeting that was held by their producer. Their producer, Cowboy Joe. Cowboy Joe was a producer from Texas for some reason. Yes, Lorne Michaels had hired a man from Texas to be the kids in the hall producer for some reason. His job was to wear a cowboy hat forget to submit their show for potential Emmy nominations, <laughs> and to get crabs from any waitress that worked at country music bars. 
True story. Hey guys! I'm the producer from Texas for some reason nobody seems to know why. But I got a message from Lord Michaels that he wants me to run by you. He's trying very hard for you to do a lot of press. Your ratings aren't very good. He just booked you on the biggest talk show that he could. It's not super big. It's not Oprah. It's not Phil. It's not even Morton Downey Jr. Do you want me to tell you who I will? Joan River said yes. She's having So Kevin and Dave are chosen to fly to New York and do the Joan Rivers show. Mark, Bruce, and Scott decide not to go because at this point in their lives, they are not losers. Not yet. <laughs> the night before he flies to New York, stupid Kevin takes his stupid fiance out to a stupid restaurant for a stupid dinner. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up, and listening through your app. It was a beautiful Saturday night at a happening restaurant. We had a wonderful dinner, and then she said, Let's not get married, let's stay together, just not married. It was a horrible Saturday night at a fake pompous restaurant. Where celebrities eat shitty dinners And then she said Don't want to get married Well, I want to get married Eventually You're not good enough Enough to get married Married to me Let's not get married. Kevin ponders whether he should not go to New York so he can stay in Toronto, sulk, and be sad while listening to the Beach Boys album Pet Sounds 22 times in a row. He decides to go to New York. Does everybody know? I'm gonna be on Joan Rivers' show. Does anybody care about surgery on her face and hair? Can't everybody see? It's about the troop without a doubt. 
happiness I can do without. It's not about me. Everybody wants to go to New York beyond TV. Should I stay home and sulk? Cause Bowie Cheater will not marry me. No, I will go to New York and I'll be swell in my Central Park Hotel with my Beach Boy CD. I don't need love anyway. I got 47 Beach Boy CDs. 47 Beach Boy CDs. Even the 37 bad ones. So Dave, Kevin, and for some reason the producer from Texas fly to New York. Depressed and knowing that they will have to wake up at 6 in the morning to get to the Joan Rivers show, Kevin tries to get to bed early. The others want him to go out with them, but he says, No, I'm okay. You guys go out. I'll just stay in my New York hotel room with my face down on the pillow and my hand in a bucket of ice. But Dave Foley, future star of news radio and A Bug's Life, (laughs) and who always has $300 in his wallet, refuses to take no for an answer and says this. Hey, we're in New York tonight. Let's have fun. In New York tonight, you're sad. One fun night in New York will. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> this is the tuning part of the show. I think Ben's ready to go. Hey, we're in New York tonight. Let's have fun. In New York tonight, you're sad But one fun night in New York changes everything We were on 67th Street Central Park is below me Let's have fun where John Lennon died tonight We're in New York! Street. That's not a famous street. We'll have some soup at Gord's Deli. That's not a famous deli. We'll go down to the ballpark, cheer the Chargers on. There is no New York team called the Chargers. York tonight, let's have fun. In New York tonight, you're sad. But one fun night in New York changes everything. Uh, what you said makes no sense at all. I'm in! Let's hit the town! Great. First thing we'll do is go to the very top of the Weber Pips building. There's no such building. So our heroes hit New York City for an evening of fun and adventure. But where should they go? As they try to figure that out, the phone rings. Hey guys, it's me, the producer from Texas, and I just got some invitations to a big New York City, and I think you all should come here. 
opening for a fashion magazine. It's not even a debutante's ball with Donald Trump acting obscene. It's an AIDS benefit. Lots of men there will be sick. It's an AIDS benefit. AIDS benefit? Yeah. Yep. Dave and Kevin look at each other for a beat and then... Let's party! <laughs> so the boys take a cab and hit the Big Apple. It's time to take a bite out of New York's famous nightlife. They get out of the cab and enter the theater where the event is taking place. We're Midtown, New York. At an AIDS benefit. And, and we're here to party and have fun. At an AIDS benefit. Hey, why does everybody here kind of look so down? Look low down, y'all look down, and it's here. Come on, it's not the end of the world. You're in New York, so cheer up, just cheer up at this age. Benefit. Yeah, cheer up. It's not the end of the world. For such a great cause, the organizers of the event booked the biggest band on the planet. For this was October of 1990, and no one was bigger than the band. One, two, three. Delight. For two and a half months in the fall of 90, Delight was bigger than the Beatles. If you were an idiot or had a toolbox fall on your head during a summer construction job, Dave and the producer from Texas rushed to the front of the crowd to dance their hearts out. Kevin, left all alone, walks around the ballroom where he looks at over 40 beautiful and depressing paintings of beautiful and depressed dying people. This leads Kevin to start drinking. As Kevin keeps ordering drinks at the bar, he meets a young woman who also keeps ordering drinks at the bar. They start up a conversation and keep ordering drinks at the bar. It's very nice to meet you. I hear that you're a comic. I'm a little drunk and centipede. Oh my God, did I just say centipede for no reason? I'm a little drunk. Have I told you twice? <laughs> if I keep repeating that I'm drunk, it's just because I'm a little drunk. And by the way, centipede. <laughs> oh my God, did I just say centipede again? It's just because that I'm very centipede. I mean drunk. It's nice to meet you here tonight. My favorite word is centipede. So it's nice to meet you here tonight. Centipede, I'm getting drunk in front of you. In this age benefit room, I'm feeling pretty. And maybe you are feeling smart. So let us flirt in front of works of noble art. What is your name? What, what is, is your name? name? How do you do? 
What do you like? What do you like? Centipede. And please answer those questions. Rock opera. She's right. I don't. And I am just doing fine, though I'm obsessed with my own suicide. But you won't make me feel much better. She's right. I won't. You're a comic. I like comedy. Howard Stern's a genius to me. Howard Stern. Genius. My, My God, we have nothing, nothing in common. My God, we have nothing in common. Nothing in common. Nothing common. Kevin thinks quietly to himself, as quietly as you can think when you're in a rock opera. <laughs> I never liked Howard Stern I never thought he was funny or he brought anything worthwhile Not to the world So I don't like this woman The only thing I see that we both like is me So it's better that I'm free of her So I'll go hang with Dave Make sure that I am safe Safe and very free of her Do you want to go make out? Yes where? What about on top of this buffet table in the middle of a thousand sick gay men and an AIDS benefit? Okay. And so they did. At this point, Kevin wants to remind you that this is a true story. Sorry. The predominant contingent of gay men at the benefit gathered around the two very drunk heterosexuals making out on the buffet table at an AIDS benefit. What are these heterosexuals doing? Don't they know where they are? He felt her up and her bra he's removing
Drunk Kevin brings drunk blah, blah, blah back to his hotel room. Even though it is three in the morning and he and Dave are getting picked up at 7 a.m. for the Joan Rivers show. Oh, and also, even though he is still part of a couple with Cheater. Technically. On the way to the hotel, Kevin keeps telling her that they're going to have sex for two hours. This next song is my favorite song in this rock opera. It's called, I Was Impotent for Two Hours. I was impotent for two hours. That's all I wrote. He was being sarcastic. Kevin sleeps for 45 minutes. He meets Dave in the lobby. Dave has slept much longer than Kevin, an hour and 12 minutes. They get into a limousine and get driven to the Joan Rivers show. They haven't slept and are very hungover, or as I would put it, still drunk. They're so drunk, they keep falling out of the moving car. Finally, they arrive, and when the show starts, they are fighting to stay awake and have a giant pitcher of water in front of them. They spend the whole show drinking water. The show starts. You're so young to have your own television show. Tell me, is it fun? Kevin and Dave take a drink of water. Yes. Does HBO interfere with what you write about? Kevin and Dave take another drink of water. No. What's the best part of having your own sketch comedy show? Walrus teeth. <laughs> Pardon me? Yes. Kevin and Dave take another drink of water. Then they take the pitcher of water and pour it over their heads. We cut to Lorne Michaels watching this like he always watches TV in his $17,000 bathrobe, masturbating and eating Doritos. Uh, you know, the thing about this is uh, I'll kill them. Oh, and I'm coming. Never worked Joan Rivers says, can we talk, can we talk? Dave and Kevin say no, cause we're drunk. Lorne Michaels gets angry and masturbates. Joan Rivers says. Joan Rivers says. Joan Rivers says. Get them off my set. On the airplane home. Kevin feels horrible and sings about it on the plane, making the other passengers feel horrible as well. I cheated on cheater. I, I cheated on cheater. Now I'm as bad as she is, though it's true. She made the first move the cheating world but I want to be better better than you but I'm a loser I 
feel kind of like guilty and a little bit filthy, but I know I can guarantee I will never cheat, never cheat again, except on taxes, but only if it's done. If you cry, my fading youth will be happy just a little Cause all the men you've had who look like Bowie And I must tell Cheater that I've cheated Back in Toronto Cheater and Kevin, the loser, meet at the same restaurant where she told him that she didn't want to marry. Loser, I mean, Kevin, starts the conversation. I have something to tell you. Sit down. I'm sitting. Right. Keep sitting. This is going to shock you. Stay calm. No problem. Oh, there's a problem. When I'm in New York, I had fun in New York, but this time I had far too much fun in New York. I wanted to dance, I wanted to sing, but I cheated on you with a Howard Stern fan at an AIDS benefit. I'm sorry, girl. Sorry, girl. Can you forgive me? I'm sorry, girl. I'm scum. Kevin, I also have something to tell you. Sit down. Okay. It's weird that I was standing during our meal in a restaurant. <laughs> but I'm sitting now. What do you have to tell me, cheater? Well, I haven't stopped cheating on you. What? What are you saying, cheater? Cheater, you cheated on me? When no. I was in New York, you were cheating on me? No, worse than that. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I called off our marriage because I was cheating on you, already cheating on you. But let's stay together, because we are in love. the love cats ba, 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 da, ba, 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 da. every time I cheat I realize I need you now I need you now don't go let's stay together don't go let's stay together don't go Wow. And now, Kevin McDonald will now end this rock opera by telling us 
the punchline of this whole story. And the punchline is, and the punchline is, and the punchline is, she told me she was cheating. And what did Kevin McDonald learn from all this? Besides, don't write too many songs in the key of G when you're writing a musical. Asshole. I learned, don't make out with anyone on the buffet table of an AIDS benefit. And? And I learned that Cheater and I may have loved each other, but we didn't belong with each other. I, I learned that you should never stay with anyone who thinks of other people and spends the night with those other people when she says that she loves you. Especially people that she doesn't even love. I learned loving someone doesn't necessarily mean you have to live with them. Because honestly, how could I spend my life with someone whose name was Cheater? Yes, I learned a lot. And then what happened? Six months later, we got married. <laughs> a year and a half after that, she left me for someone who looked like Let's Dance era, David Bowie. She was maturing. Two, three, four. And the punchline is. And the punchline is. And the punchline is. She told me she was cheating. And the punchline is. And the punchline is, she told me she was cheating when I was in New York. She was cheating. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone in the cast. I'll learn your names later at the party. Ben Gibbard! Thank you. 746. And now uh, I'm going to interview Ben. Oh, I should do a phony showbiz uh, thing. Hey, Ben, don't leave the stage. Do you mind if we uh, have an interview? Well, I don't see why not. I'm All here, right, right, let's do it. We never talked about it. <laughs> phony showbiz. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Ben. Isn't it weird that we're friends? <laughs> uh, this is one of my questions, uh, but I'm at, do you remember where we met? I do, if you don't, but go ahead. <laughs> I, well, I remember meeting you in L.A. in yes. two, 2005. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, but the exact location is, is lost on me now. It was some kind of party situation. It was, it was. It was, uh, you guys were playing at the, uh, this is no funny story here, but who, who cares? You just saw a funny rock opera. True story, sorry. Um, <laughs> you were playing the, uh, the, the MTV Video Awards? Um, yeah, some, some bullshit yes, yeah. show thing. Yeah. And you had a really cool rock and roll moment. Maybe your guitar didn't work, and you kept trying to make it work. And then finally, in a real rock and roll move, you just unplugged it, put the guitar down, and sang without the guitar. I did. I think I might have smashed it. Oh, yes, I did. I forgot the rock and roll yeah. part. Yeah, and that was... And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was the, actually the first person to ever do that. Yes. To ever to smash yes, the guitar. Yes, yes. That's the first time it ever happened, 2005. And Pete Townsend was in his beanbag chair going, I should have done that. Yeah, he did. He, I got a call from the next day, great idea, mate. You know, and the rest is history, so. It's true, true story. And we met a day or two, or we, you had just turned 30, I think. Was it 30 or 31? Uh, 
Yeah, prior on that. Yeah, about yeah, 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, so there, uh, no funny anecdotes there, but... Uh, just but a, just marking time. Just marking yeah. time. Just marking time. <laughs> My questions are upside down. Um, is that a good question? Well, you know what? It's a little boring, but I like it. Am I going to like it? Well, we'll see. That's the, that's the risk I take. That's the risk I take, being Dick Cavett. Here I go. Oh, gee, that sounds kind of boring. No, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Oh my God, it's kind of, right, here I go. But I am interested. I am, did you come from a musical household? <laughs> yes, I did actually. I, no, my dad, my dad played guitar around the house all the time and there was always like a guitar leaned up against the hearth and uh, you know, he would pick it up and play Beatles songs and stuff and I was, yeah, I kind of gravitated towards that, you know? Did you learn, or were you one of those guys that just knew, like, a, I'm not a musician, so I don't know music talk. Like, could you hear a song on the radio without learning it and be able to play it on guitar? Like, were you that kind of a musical prodigy kind of guy? Not, no, 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 not at all. I mean, I, I, I kind of taught myself the chord. I took piano lessons when I was a kid and then taught myself the chords from, like, a Beatles book and learned how to play a little bit of guitar, and then I got some lessons from a guy in the neighborhood who played guitar. And, you know, when, and then you kind of teach yourself the rest. It's, it's really easy. It's just six strings. It's super easy. It's not so easy for me. I did the same thing, only I was 34. And I got, a, I got my first guitar. Actually, Cheater got me my first guitar. Which I'm assuming you used to write this lovely rock opera that we just performed. Well, my second ex-monster, she has my guitar. <laughs> you say she, she owns it now. Yeah, she, she took owns, it from you. She, yeah, she took it from me. Sounds like a monster. She took Happily my named. Yeah, she's, Happily a, named. she's bigger and stronger than me, and she took the guitar. Now, you were a teenager during grunge. Um, did it influence you? Because I love, of course, I love Death Cab for Cutie, but you also sound like 80s influence as much as 90s. Did, 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 did you like it? But well, Just tell me. I don't have to ask a number of questions. <laughs> like, was it really exciting or did you, were you listening to something else? Yeah. I, I, yes, I, I did. And you lived here. I, yes, I. The capital. Yeah, yes, I, I did like the music, Kevin. <laughs> I did like the grunge music. I did, in fact, like it. Was your first band a grunge band? The, uh, the grunge? Was your, was your first band the grunge kind of? It, it was, yeah, named the grunge. Yeah. Yeah. We did all the hits, all the grunge hits. Uh, you know, I mean, it was hard to live here and not have that bleed into uh, what you were influenced by. But at the same time, there, was, there, was, there were the big bands everybody knows. But there was also a lot of great stuff happening in the underground that, you know, some people kind of remember who were here at the time, other people don't, they're kind of lost in time. And I think a lot of the more underground stuff below that was what kind of really moved me, like bands like Tree People or Hazel or Hammerbox, bands that were kind of around at that time. Um, yeah, and those are the bands I'd go see at, you know, little all-ages clubs around town. And I mean, not to... You know, not to slight the big names, of course. Mm -hmm. They're great, too. But um, I, I think I kind of gravitated towards the more independent acts of that But am I incorrect? Do I hear 80s influence in your song? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm a baby of the 80s. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. fact, this is boring. Um, <laughs> at the party when we met, in a couple of nights, you were playing some big thing in Universal. And was it Depeche Mode that was uh, the... Uh, Depeche Mode or someone like that? Am I Depeche Mode? Am I mispronouncing it? I, yeah. Depeche Mode. 
Grunge mode? Did it, uh, I, I, think, I, don't, I think that is the exact pronunciation. Depeche yes. mode? Depeche mode. That's how you say that. Yeah. Depeche yeah. mode? Depeche mode. Was yeah. it them or someone like that? I think it was Depeche mode. And you were very excited. Depeche I was mode? very excited, yeah. And you were very excited. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> I am very excited. You're very excited right now. Well, and it just so happens that Depeche mode is coming yes. in a month and it's... My I saw wife, the Dave Peshmo tour. <laughs> and, and it is, uh, it's my wife and I's anniversary, and we're going to the show as our, oh. as our, our uh, anniversary uh, oh. celebration. I have friends at Earth, Wind, and Fire the, the, tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always a more of an Earth, Wind, and Fire oh, yeah. kind of fan. Well, there were two groups, weren't they? Like, they were, yes, they were. <laughs> and they had a, you know, an accent yeah. over the right word, yeah. This is totally boring. Why did I bother say it? No one's going to appreciate this but me. Yeah, I'll say it. Um, uh, the Kids in the Hall uh, touring crew works with Earth, Wind & Fire because it makes sense. Kids in the Hall, Earth, Wind & Fire. <laughs> there. The, aren't, I told you I was the worst interviewer ever. Did I not tell you? I think this is going pretty well, actually. <laughs> well, the, 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 the little things interest me. Like, um, you want to be a musician, but all of a sudden, you're so, is it fair to say you're the leader of the band? Does that hurt the other guy's feelings? Um, I don't think it would ruin their feelings, no. Uh, I think... But do you think, like, what if you didn't have a talent for that? Do you have a talent to be a leader of the band? Uh, uh, or, or, like, do you knew you were a good songwriter and you could sing and play guitar, but all of a sudden you have these other things. Like, interviews. Interviews and, like, leading the band. Those are things that, you know, think about when you're 16. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> the interview took a turn for the good. <laughs> I, you know, I got to say, I'm really digging this interview style you got here. <laughs> It's really aggressive. <laughs> and self-effacing. Really aggressive and self-effacing, which is an, an odd combination. This is the first time I've been hit with this. I'm aggressively self-effacing. Yeah, and, I, and I, you're, you really got me on edge here, I gotta yeah. say. I don't really quite know how to answer these things. But like, did you grow into being a leader and getting used to the, like the, the music business of it, or is it something you never get used to? Are you a good leader? Uh, I, <laughs> that's probably a question for the other members of my band. Uh, but you know, I think. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think in, as far as band leaders go, I think you know, I'm like a I'm like a B minus B that kind of territory. You know, I mess up from time to time, but you know, I get it done. When did you realize that that was part of the job? I mean, like you knew it sort of intellectually, but when like was there a point where you said, "Oh my God, I'm leading a band and I have to make the decisions," sort of? Well, we we tend to make decisions together, and just because I'm the songwriter in the band and by therefore like and the singer like the de facto leader in that sense it doesn't necessarily mean that i'm making the decisions for the band so i think if if the band were led holistically by my decisions we would not be sitting here right now so i think it's you know i think that in my career i've learned like to really lean on the people that you've been around the whole time and that know you for the longest and you know if you go through your little ups and downs of like uh ego trips to kind of have them kind of Ground you. I'm sure it's the same with the Kids in the Hall guys. Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I was thinking my next question. No, I was listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Carson never listened. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was listening. Uh, it, it was certainly true. Um, the thing, when I was a kid, uh, my first conscious memories are my Aunt Judy like, giving me her Beatles albums. And um, I had a pretty good idea it wouldn't be music, but I knew that I was going to be in a group. Did you know you were going to be in a group? Did you ever think, oh, it'll be a band or solo, or did you not think you just let it happen naturally? Um, when I was, you know, a junior high kid, I, I kind of started having dreams of, like, 
starting a band, right. you know, and it was when I was starting to get into music that was becoming my own music, not the music that was on the radio or that, you know, my parents' music. Um, so yeah, around that time I started my first little shitty, you know, garage bands with friends from school and we would play, cover songs and write bad originals and, you know, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I wanted to be in a band from my early I guess age. that's a teenage thing to no one. Well, I guess some people do, but no one. Uh, most people don't think they're going to be in a. I didn't think I was going to be a sketch person by myself. Like I, I knew I was going to start a troupe. Stop talking about yourself, Kevin. All right, oh, Kevin. Well, I mean, is 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 the, is the one man sketch troupe a thing? Is that something that? I guess I could have invented it. Uh, but like I heard the Grateful Dead, they formed because they saw Hard Day's Night, and it had nothing to do with the music. It, and this I read in like every band that started at that time. It looked like Hard Day's Night. It looked like it was fun to be in a band. Mm -hmm. And that's why they sort of formed a band, uh, even though they couldn't sound less like the Beatles, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, what's my point? I don't know. I'm going to make the next question. No, I see. I mean, no, I... No, no, it's me, because I, I, I watched The Grateful Dead watching A Hard Day's Night. And did it look like fun? And it looked like a lot of fun, so started a band from there. Did they jam while watching this? This is my thing with The Grateful Dead. I have a little trouble with jam bands, I'm sorry. You're probably a fan of all music, and I apologize, Ben. Um, but they had two great albums in 1970, Working Man's Dead and American Beauty, where they did tight three or four minute songs. What's wrong with tight three or four minute songs? <laughs> yeah, well, hey, here's a question. Did you, did you like those two albums? <laughs> Uh, not, not particularly, no. Really? Oh, that's no. interesting. And like, no, I'm, never... no, I'm just not a fan. I'm not a, I, I'm, there might be a time in my life where I will get the Grateful Dead, and it'll all come cascading on me, and I'll understand it, but I just haven't become a fan to this point. Maybe I will at some point. I said that till I was 50, and I'm not a fan. I'm just, I like those two albums. Have you heard those two albums? I have... <laughs> what, what, what are some songs on those records? Um, the... Truckin'. I've heard Truckin', yeah. Yeah. Sounds that's good. my least favorite song. Okay. Casey, Casey Jones. Don't yeah, that one. that's a little catchy. Okay. There's, uh, there's better ones. Uh, what are the first Box three songs? Rain and A Friend of the Devil is a good one. You're saying all the ones I don't like. What's the... <laughs> Touch of... What are the first three Bo songs? Box of Rain is a great one. Box of Rain. Box of Rain is Some great. Touch of Grey is on that one too, right? <laughs> I'll lie and say yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, here's I'll Be Showbiz Phony. Hey, where did you come up with the name Death Cab for Cutie? Uh, well... Oh, wait, wait. Does anyone uh, know? Very few people know. Okay. I'm so excited. Please, uh, the floor is yours. Okay. Uh, well, I, I didn't so much come up with it as much as I stole it from uh, a band from the 60s called the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, who were kind of a, like a novelty-ish act, kind of... Uh, Vivian Sanchez, genius, went crazy. Yep. And uh, Neil Innes wrote all the songs. And there was a song called Death Cab for Cutie that was uh, in the Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour film. Uh, saw that movie, thought that would make a great band name. And I've been answering this question ever since. <laughs> <laughs> But they didn't know. Isn't that weird? Like, there were a few hands up. But yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, look, we, it's a silly name, so I, I don't mind answering the question, but I, let me just say it was, I was really excited when Wikipedia became a thing, right. and that wasn't, that wasn't, like, the first question I got asked in every interview I ever did. Because they read Wikipedia. Uh, yes, but there were also some things on Wikipedia that weren't true, uh, because uh, one of our friends uh, had made it his, uh, his hobby to fuck with our Wikipedia account. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And uh, he would never put anything in there that was like uh, harsh or, you know, it was always untrue, but it was something like, you know, uh, 
he would say that our bass player is colorblind. He's not. <laughs> or that, or that uh, uh, our, you know, at the time, this is a long time ago when we were too old for this to be true. Uh, our drummer had a 15-year-old uh, a son that he enjoyed spending time with. <laughs> so, everyone's, <laughs> we'd just be doing an interview and you'd get, uh, so, uh, you know, Nick is colorblind, as we all know. And, uh, and like, what? <laughs> It was really entertaining, honestly. It was really fun. That's funny. Like, that's yeah. a funny friend. Yeah. Apparently, I only have time for one question. Uh, what should I ask? I had so many good serious questions. I was, I was aiming for a serious interview, and then I mispronounced Depeche Mode. <laughs> uh, no, you said Depeche Mode. Uh, did I say, oh, I said Depeche Mode. Uh, oh, am I saying it right now? I don't even know anymore. You're, you're not quite there, but... Have <laughs> like, I screwed you up? Can you do the right emphasis now? Because sometimes when you hear things wrong, yeah. a lot... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Depeche Mode. I can't even do it. All right. Uh, hey, does anyone have a question? I have so many questions, but they were like serious questions and became a silly interview. Does someone have a question for Ben? One question? Oh, you got to do a question. He'll be so embarrassed and humiliated. You have a question. I know you do. <laughs> Who has a question? Come up here. They, fuck off. Come up here. <laughs> someone, someone had their hand up. Come up. Oh, what's your question? Uh, you know that song you wrote? <laughs> oh, uh, cuz we're being a podcast, I know, I'll say it. I know it. the one, yeah. Do I you know, know that, that one, song yeah. that you wrote? Yeah. Yes, I know that uh, one. I was, yes. Yeah, I went to Catholic school for a number of years. Yeah. Same with me. It By the way, you have the same I did read Wikipedia unless your friend lied, you have the same birthday as my mother. August 11th? That's that is my birthday, my actual birthday. 1976? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, wait. I was about to say, uh, now Ben's going to do a couple songs. Sorry, am I yeah. too close? <laughs> ben Gibbard. Thank you very much. You are hilarious. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that seems like it's time for sad songs now, right? <laughs> This song is uh, songs about the Smith Tower. Teardrop windows crying in the sky. He is all alone and wondering why. Ivory white, but feeling kind of blue. Cause there's no one there to share the view. There's too many vacancies He's been feeling oh so empty When the sun sets over the sound He just goes to sleep Built in boast as the tallest on the coast He was once a city's only toast an old postcards was positioned as the star He was looked up to with fond regard But in 1962 The needle made its big debut And everybody forgot what it outgrew He wonders where the workers are who once filled every floor. The elevators operate 
but don't much anymore 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 teardrop windows crying in the sky how the years have quickly passed him by Gleaming white against the deepest baby blue He is lonely just like me and you Cause there's too many vacancies He's been feeling oh so empty and When the sun sets over the sound He just goes to sleep There's too many vacancies He's been feeling oh so empty and When the maids they turn out the lights He just goes to sleep Thank you. The freckles in our eyes are mirror images And when we kiss they're perfectly aligned And I have to speculate That God himself did make us into corresponding Shapes like puzzle pieces from the clay And true, it may seem like a stretch But it's thoughts like this that catch my troubled head When you're away, when I am missing you to death When you're out there on the road for several weeks of shows And when you scan the radio Oh, I hope this song will guide you home They will see us waving from such great heights Come down now They'll say Perfect from far away. Come down now, but we'll stay. I tried my best to leave this all on your machine, but the persistent beat it sounded thinner. And that, frankly, will not fly You will hear the shrillest highs and lowest lows With the wind 
doze down as this is guiding you home They will see us waving from such great heights Come down now They'll say Everything looks perfect from far away Come down now, but we'll stay Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed the show. And you can see Kevin performing live again in another brand new, amazing variety show at the Bell House in Brooklyn, November 15th as part of the Brooklyn Podcast Festival. You can get your tickets now too at bkpodfest.com or go to foreverdogpodcast.com. You can find it right there on Kevin's page. Snatch them up before they sell out. Hope to see you there. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.